The Saturday get-together here on CBS Sports Radio. Jody Mack hanging with you. Uh, All the players, when I say players, I mean front office personnel, the movers, the shakers, not the guys out there actually making the big baskets in playoff action. The players of the NBA got together in Chicago the last couple of days for the NBA Draft Combine. The lottery will take place on Tuesday night, so we'll know who's picking where, and then in June we'll find out exactly where the players will be playing come next year. Here to give us some insight on who showed their wares well this week in Chicago is, for my money, the best in the business when it comes to evaluating it and giving you scouting reports and the like. Uh, You have to follow him on DraftExpress.com. His mock draft is a must-see as you lead up to the draft, and now part of the staff of the vertical as well, Jonathan Gavoni hops on with us here on CBS Sports Radio. How is Chicago this week, Jonathan? Oh, it was outstanding. Very productive week. Uh, I got to catch up with quite a few NBA folks and, uh, you know, the entire industry congregates on on one lobby for 24, 48-hour stretch and uh, very productive conversations. Also got to see a lot of the five-on-five, which was excellent. Um, You know, none of the the lottery picks um, elected to participate, but still I thought there were quite a few guys that were able to help themselves. And with the new rules regarding underclassmen, we saw a lot of, um, you know, younger blood um, that, you know, that led to, I think, uh, a higher um, overall standard of play compared to last year. I would agree with that. Let's go there. Um, Yes, players have another 10 days after the combine to decide if they haven't uh, officially joined with an agent as to whether they want to stay in the draft or not. They moved it on the calendar significantly so uh, people could take part in the combine. It used to just be you would have to take the word of the team that your coach felt or your contacts felt uh, had the best grasp on where the draft was going to go. You said it had the ancillary benefit of of picking up uh, the intensity of the games, which I noticed as well in watching, which was good. How did it play with the general managers and the scouts and the like? Did they like the added talent that was there and the ability to try and guide these guys as to whether it's smarter to come into the draft or go back to school? I think they liked it. Uh, I think that definitely it's a step in the right direction. Um, you did hear quite a you know, bit of um, grumbling, as always, about, you know, why is this guy not playing? Why is this guy not playing? I mean, and that's just, it kind of comes with the territory. Um, you know, they, they give you the, the guys that are going to go 30 to 60, and, you know, you, you want to see a little bit more than that. But, um, you know, this, this process has really um, been controlled almost thoroughly by, you know, by the agents with, with the pro days, um, which we're going to see quite a bit of. Um, in about 10 days from now, it's going to get started. Every agency is going to have their own pro day, and that's where they're going to show the NBA teams exactly what they want to be seen. And so, you know, that's just the reality of the situation right now, and you know, NBA teams haven't done a great job of fighting that, and so that's just how things are going to be for the foreseeable future. We talk about the college kids that could uh, either decide to come into the draft or go back to their universities. Were there any internationals in Chicago that fared well for your eye this week? Well, only one participated. That's a Zhou Chi, seven um, two player from China. He didn't uh, participate in any, in any of the five on five action. He just did the drills, which were very very light and basic this year. So really, not a whole lot you could take away from that. 
he did measure really well. I mean, he has a seven, eight wingspan, which is one of the, the longest ever in our database, but, you know, really not a lot you can glean from that besides, um, you know, just kind of eyeballing him while he's shooting, you know, mid range jumpers, you know, by himself in the gym, really that doesn't translate to the NBA we found. So, um, uh, the international guys, for the most part, are playing in their own leagues in Europe right now. And the early Final Four happened during the NBA Combine, which is, you know, unfortunate kind of clash of dates there. But, um, but yeah, those guys are going to get their chance to be seen at the, at the, at the Adidas Euro Camp um, in early June. And then later into the process, they'll come over for workouts and such. You mentioned that uh, those that are most likely thought to be in the lottery decided to pass on playing on the five and five on fives. Uh, but they did come in and some did medicals and they all got a chance to talk to some of the teams. Those who came in, Ben Simmons decided not to come in at all. First, give me your take on Simmons decision not to be part of it. And how beneficial do you think it was for those who didn't participate, but at least did get a chance to talk to the teams? I'm not surprised by Simmons deciding not to participate. That was something that we could have anticipated a, a long time ago. I think he kind of felt like, um, you know, he was anointed as a number one pick, you know, all the way back in November, and he doesn't want to, you know, concede that, you know, whatever that means. I don't really necessarily agree that he's a lock to go number one, but that's kind of the way his agent decided to play it. And, you know, he's not the first one to take this. Um, stance. Anthony Bennett didn't come to the combine at all a few years ago. Andrew Wiggins, Javari Parker, Joel Embiid, you know, even Emmanuel Moody, he went seventh, decided he doesn't need to show up to the combine. So that's just the reality of the situation. And until the NBA decides to change how they, they do things, it's going to happen every year, unfortunately. Uh, in terms of the guys who did interviews, I think NBA teams, they like sitting down with these players, especially guys that might be perceived to be outside their draft range. You know, it's good for them to get some, some face time with them. And a lot of the agents who have, you know, really high character guys, um, they don't mind, you know, their projected lottery pick sitting down with the San Antonio Spurs. You know, it doesn't bother them at all. They enjoy that. Well, you know, other other um, agents kind of take a different approach. We didn't see not every player did every interview that he was um, supposed to do. Um, Jamal Murray and Brandon Ingram didn't do any, for example. So, I mean, they and they prefer to kind of wait for their individual workouts, and the agent will decide who he wants to send them those guys to and who he feels comfortable. And that's what you're seeing a lot of is that I think a lot of players this year and guys who aren't. Um, necessarily top 10 picks they're going to try and um, kind of um, hand select who they want to be drafted by and they're going to give some teams all the information and they're going to give some of the teams none of it at all so that's you know, that's just kind of the nature of the draft process right uh, now. it's a little bit of a risky proposition because if the team that uh, you think you're locked into decides to go in another direction all of a sudden you could be dropping as well you can help play and pick where you want but if it doesn't work out then it could end up being a costly decision that's very interesting jonathan gavoni draftexpress.com and the vertical our guest here on cbs sports uh radio those that did participate in the five on fives they had back-to-back games both thursday and friday uh entertaining i was in front of my tv for three hours of the clip both days who stood out to you? Who who stepped up and advanced their position as to where they might have been viewed prior to Chicago and may have had the arrow pointing up by the time Chicago was done? I think there are really three underclassmen that you can point to that, that really helped themselves. The first guy probably is Czech Diallo, who 
you know, came into this year projected as a lottery pick, was the MVP of the McDonald's All-American game in the Jordan Brand Classic, and, you know, was really expected to have um, a, a productive freshman year, but, you know, really couldn't get off the bench for Bill Self, ended up playing seven minutes per game. And he was one of those guys who was kind of borderline whether he needed to play or didn't need to play. And, you know, um, his agent decided that he's going to throw him out there because he didn't play all year. And I think that the kid really helped himself. He played with tremendous energy blocked a ton of shots, grabbed a ton of rebounds, ran the floor, played with a lot of energy. And, you know, as a 19-year-old kid who, you know, weighs 215 pounds, he wasn't really, he wasn't afraid to go and throw his body around um, amongst the 22- and 23-year-olds, which is a good thing to see. Uh, I thought that uh, Jerron Blossom game from Clemson uh, also helped himself. He's a guy who, you know, is going to have a tough decision on May 25th. He's a he's a 22-year-old redshirt junior. So, you know, coming back for another year, what would that really have done for his draft stock? Um, came out, had a great combine, and I think um, – and probably solidified himself as a second-round pick. And I think the same thing can be said about uh, Ben Bentil from Providence. Um, you know, 6'8", stretch foreman, really shoots the ball well, showed a very high skill level, showed some of his warts as well, but I think he was productive overall, put the ball in the basket quite a bit, which is what he did at Providence. And another guy who, you know, this this um, new early entry process with the underclassmen, it was made for guys like like these three, and I think they it, it all benefited them, and I, I I think all three of them will probably end up staying in the draft based off that. Let me show my Philly roots a little bit here. What did you think of Bembry from uh, St. Joe's? And Isaiah Miles didn't play that badly. I, I thought both St. Joe's kids played well. Absolutely, I thought both. I thought both guys were were excellent. Um, Bembry was probably the the biggest standout of day one. Uh, it's a little bit quieter on day two, but another guy who you know came into this uh, projected as a borderline first round pick and uh, probably left um, having solidified himself in that first round and probably having leapfrogged some of the guys who decided not to participate. So you know you got to take your hat off to a kid who doesn't back away from the competition and decides to play it and does well. So. Um, I thought it really worked out for him, and and Isaiah Miles too had a you know strong twenty one point performance in the second game, probably earned himself you know some more workouts, some some more summer league invites, um, that kind of thing. So you know, good for both of the St. Joe's kids. Give me uh, a comp, two guys that I think are close as far as overall talent goes. Their game's a little bit different, and they're both going to be picked in the top five, six, seven picks, maybe even a top four. How do you compare Jamal Murray to Chris Dunn? Uh, compare and contrast their games a little bit, and if you have to pick one over the other, uh, saying you need a guard and it isn't specifically a tailor fit for one of those players' skills, which one would you rank higher? I would probably take Chris Dunn um, just because of, you know, the physical tools, um, you know, he, he measured out very similarly to, to John Wall. Uh, he's 22 years old. He's ready to come in and, and play a role from day one. You know what he's going to be able to give you. I, I like Murray, too, you know, maybe a little bit more raw, um, You know, 19 years old, but can really score the ball. Some question marks about his position. Um, you know, usually he, he he might have to play some point guard, um, standing um, you know six three six four, but average just as many turnovers as assists as a freshman. But it has a lot of room to continue to grow. And you know, you see the success that a guy like CJ McCollum has in the NBA. And I mean, it's very easy to project um, Jamal Murray playing kind of a similar role. So, um, very different types of prospects. But I agree with you that they're both going to be kind of in this in the mix and. 
in those same spots in, in the top, um, you know, five or six spots in the draft. How far do you think Buddy Heald falls? I don't think he's going to fall very far at all. I think he's um, very likely to go in that, uh, you know, six through 12 range. There's a lot of teams in that in that range that really could use a, a, a shooting guard who can just fill it up. A lot of those teams were really bad this year, and, and you need to get better quick. So having the, in the number one player in college basketball come in, um, being able to make shots for you right off the bat, I mean, that's going to help them, I think. There is a debate as to who could be number one. Ben Simmons thinks it's him and thinks it's a lock. I'm with you. I'm not sure that's the case. Can Dragon Bender do anything to get himself into that conversation for the number one overall pick? I would be surprised just because he really isn't playing that much over in Israel, and so it's going to be hard for him to build that resume. And and I think that Simmons and Ingram are, are just well ahead of him um, in, in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, they're more polished. Um, they're more ready to come in and, and play a role right away. And Bender, I think he, you know, his nature is probably best suited being, you know, the, your third or fourth best player um, as opposed to a go-to guy like you hope Ingram or Simmons can turn into. And so he may be better off going, you know, three, four, around that range. That would be better for him as a complimentary guy. But, you know, whoever takes him is going to immediately uh, draw the comparison to Porzingis and say they think he can step in and have the kind of impact that Porzingis did for the Knicks this year. We will wait and see. Jonathan, appreciate the insight from the last couple of days. You know we're going to tap into you at least once more before the draft rolls around. We'll be checking you out on DraftExpress.com and the vertical between now and then. Thanks much, bud. Thanks so much, Jody. Great, great to be on and anytime.